Ladies and gentlemen, welcome wrestling fans worldwide to Knoxville and the Great Smoky Mountains for the Ron Fuller Tennessee Studcast. Six feet nine inches tall, 265 pounds. This historic podcast from one of the most respected and successful wrestlers and promoters will follow the footsteps of the largest and oldest wrestling family on the planet. Listen to what I'm saying. That's right. Bring that camera in here a little bit closer. Through 93 years and four generations. The stud has arrived. Old school or new fan, this unique broadcast will educate and captivate as Ron details decades of professional wrestling's growth with truly unforgettable stories. I want those people out there at home to hear the stud. Sit back and enjoy the ride with the Tennessee stud. The Tennessee stud. You will learn that name. You will remember it. And now, the stud is here. All right, let's get to it. Welcome in. It's David Summers hosting another stud cast with the Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller. It's the story of wrestling in America as told by the stud, whose family started the profession 100 years ago. So now let's step back into the ring, back into time. We get hooked up with the Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller hanging out in the Gray Smoky Mountains. How was Thanksgiving, Ron? Oh, it was good, man. Uh, really good. Took a little trip up to Kentucky, uh, just on the Ohio border, just about, and uh, saw my my son, my grandson, and spent a little time with them. Uh, had a good time, man. That's uh, that's what it's all about. Uh, Thanksgiving is a good time, and. Uh, and that's kind of what we're going to be talking about when we get into the show here today, too. Absolutely. This is a big-time Thanksgiving show. Listen, Thanksgiving really was big time for you because you spent time with your son and your grandson. I saw some. And anybody who's friends with you on social media saw this. But there were some pretty cool videos with you and your son and your grandson. And you guys were having at it kind of on the carpet there in the house. I hope that was that was after, if it was after lunch, I hope there was a 30 minute break. It's like jumping in the pool, stud. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was fun, man. Uh, we did that actually a couple of years ago. We did one of those. Uh, wow. Had a tremendous number of, uh, the reaction was just, just, well, it was about the same as this last time. <laughs> yeah. The Listen. first time I actually showed them the fuller leg lock, spent time showing them the fuller leg lock. Right. This time got into a little bit of different. Uh, stuff off of the grapevine uh, so uh you know uh, it's really fun uh, they like it too uh you know they they kind of act like they don't you know uh because <laughs> you know they get stretched a little bit you know but that's that, that didn't hurt them so, right it's like grandpa's coming to down to town oh my god we're gonna be aching for days <laughs> so, hey but listen you were not kidding your grandson is looking you eye to eye now. He's he's sixteen. Yeah, sixteen years old, man, and yeah, and just dead right up there with uh, both me and Chad. I mean, right? He is right about eye to eye. Yeah, uh, close to six eight. Uh, you know, uh, six nine. Right. He's going to get it real soon. Uh, well, wow, I don't know how big he's going to be, man. He's going to be the first uh, Welch uh, above seven feet. I was going to ask, was there anybody taller than you as you were coming up? No. Oh, no. Nobody was even close in my family. And, uh, wow, he's just uh, – he's really now at the age in which I got my growth spurt. <laughs> right. Wow. So I was at his age, 6'3", 
and I grew five inches one year and four mm-hmm. inches the next just about. I mean, I really popped on up there. Uh, uh, so, you know, uh, I don't know if he hits these growth spurts like like uh, my son Chad did too. Right. Wow. He's liable to be seven threes. Seven two, seven three. I don't know. Wow! Every everybody on your on your Facebook page is everybody's going. All right, so he's going to be a wrestler, right? And you were you were you were pushing him back. No, he's going to do basketball. Oh uh, yeah, man! I don't know about putting him in the ring, and uh, you know, it ain't like the old days anymore, right? So might not uh, head that direction with him. Uh, and he he's got a pretty good future. I actually got to see him play in a game, and he got a, he had eight points and five blocks and. You know, uh, six rebounds, and you know he had a pretty wow. good game, uh, and it was a shortened game too. It was kind of like a scrimmage game, but uh, I think he's going to be pretty good, man. Uh, he's got a he's got a big time future, hopefully. Hey, you got to be proud of that, and your son too. And it, it was an awesome Thanksgiving. So that's that's fantastic. Speaking of Thanksgiving, stud this title, this studcast title really says it all. Two great Thanksgiving cards, nineteen seventy eight. That's the title. So your second Southeastern Territory Gulf Coast had been open for about nine months. Fans there were getting their first Southeastern Thanksgiving wrestling card, while Southeastern Knoxville fans were having their third Thanksgiving card. Uh, Yep, that's correct, man. Uh, It was the first time uh, since uh, becoming an owner of a wrestling company in 1974 that uh, Southeastern was going to have two wrestling shows in two different states on Thanksgiving. Uh, so, uh, you know, and in fact, it might have been for the first time any territory in history did it. Uh, that is, uh, you know, so far as I'm, I'm aware, if, uh, and if anybody out there listening can verify it happened somewhere else, then please let me know, and I'll be glad to acknowledge that fact on the next studcast. But I believe that we were in a territory, basically, uh, a good way of putting it, I guess, that was uh, uh, never been touched before. So uh, uh, if anybody knows anything about that, uh, please let me know if I'm, if I'm wrong about it. Uh, the sad fact was, because of what was going to happen in 1979 in the Knoxville War, it was going to be the last time it happened for Southeastern. I do know it definitely happened again six years later, on Thanksgiving Day in 1985. And on that day, Continental Championship Wrestling had two Thanksgiving events in two different states on the same day, one in the afternoon in Knoxville, Tennessee, and the other that night in Birmingham, Alabama. Wow. See, I'm not surprised at all that you you probably made wrestling history with that. It would not be the first time or the last time. In fact, didn't you have two events in those Two same cities on Christmas Day, 85, 86, something like that? Yeah, sure did, Dave. Uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas were basically the two best holidays of the year for wrestling and its fans, obviously. And with Continental Championship Wrestling, we started our day wrestling at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Eastern Time, in the afternoon in the Knoxville Coliseum. And then we drove 250 miles south, to wrestle again the same night in Birmingham at 8.30 Central Time. And then we got in the car again and drove another 250 miles to get to Pensacola. So in that one day, we did 500 miles total. Uh, we arrived in Pensacola about 3 o'clock in the morning. And uh, so in a period of about 12 hours, we wrestled twice, plus drove 500 miles. 
Wow. So that had to be a totally exhausting day. Anybody that's been on the out on the road, even for pleasure, would know that. But how much how much do the wrestlers make on a day like that? Well, every year, uh, both cities sold out. Wow. I mean, it was a great day for wrestling, uh, both Christmas and uh, Thanksgiving. And uh, the guys on top uh, usually made somewhere between $1,500 and 2000 for that day alone. And uh, and uh, I kind of looked it up, uh, you know, uh, just seeing uh, what that would be in today's money. And in today's money, that would be making about $8,500 in one day. Wow. All right. I don't know about them, but that would have made me feel a whole lot better about a long day. And you're talking about you're talking about 1978 money, too, on top of that. All right. So speaking of the day, where do we ride today, stud? Well, this is going to be a cram full episode today, Dave. Uh, you know, we're beginning our ride. Uh, we're going to start out in southeastern Knoxville, this studcast. And it's going to be the third Thanksgiving night card in southeastern history with an outstanding six-match card in Knoxville. And I'm going to give everyone that entire card. We're going to talk about how it was only my fifth appearance in the Knoxville Coliseum in the last seven months. I'm going to be wrestling. I'm back on the card this time. And I did, however, appear on TV six days before this event. And I was on the TV show that advertised this card. And then we're going to cover that entire TV show. Then we'll talk about uh, our, our riders, give a, give a, everybody out there listening the results of the Coliseum card and the record. It was a record Thanksgiving attendance in the Knoxville Coliseum for that building, not just for wrestling, but for that building. So from there, we're going to ride 500 miles south. We'll go down to uh, southeastern uh, Gulf Coast for the Thanksgiving night card. It's going to be in Mobile down there, Mobile, Alabama. And it also had six matches on that card down there. They had two title matches. They had a special ladies match. And and we'll break down the TV show that advertised the event down there, give the people the results of the card. And as usual, the attendance of all three major markets, maybe a little more than that at the end of it, to be honest with you. <laughs> And if we have time, uh, geez, here we go. Uh, I'll answer another learning tree question after all that. Well, you throw it out there, so we'll, we'll have to try to we'll have to try to work that, that thing in. Listen, you were filling lightning saddlebags as full as possible for this one, Stud. We better start hitting the trail. All right. So, what was on that Thanksgiving night card, southeastern Knoxville, Thursday, November twenty third, nineteen seventy eight. Well, this was a triple main event card. It was a great card. Uh, the Mighty Yankee, who was a pretty big name in the South back in those days. He opened this card up against Dennis Hall, another pretty darn good wrestler. And then there was a $10,000 bounty match. So it's the second on that card. And obviously, Kevin Sullivan, Sullivan's money was up again. Uh, and he brought in another friend of his. Uh, to go after Ron Wright, and this time it was Charlie Cook, man. So he's going to, and Charlie was going to be making his Knoxville debut. He had never wrestled in that southeastern uh, Knoxville territory. Then the next match on that card was a follow-up match from the elimination main event that we talked about on the last studcast. It was on that last card in Knoxville. And uh, this was Kevin Sullivan and Ken Lucas, uh, two, of men, two of the men in the elimination match. Uh, they were going to be taking on uh, two of the other guys on the other team 
from that elimination match are going to be wrestling against Bob Roop and Bob Orton Jr. Uh, and uh, that's going to tie. And then uh, in the the first of the three main events after all this, uh, Southeastern Knoxville Tag Champions uh, are going to uh, that's Condry and Hickerson, obviously presented by Ron Wright Incorporated. And uh, going to be facing the team that earned the title match by beating them the week before. Mm. That was Rip Smith and Mike Stallings. Mm. So that's the first of three. The second main event is for the Southeastern Championship. It's the great Malenko, and he's going to be facing me. And then the last main event was a Russian torture match with the Destroyer, seconded by Boris Malenko, against Ronnie Garvin, and I'm going to be in Garvin's corner. Wow, Okay. That's really a fantastic card. All right, so what happened on the TV six days before that Thanksgiving night to set all this up? Well, let's open the show uh, in a tight shot. He announced right off the bat that the great Malenko was defending his television championship trophy on this show against the Tennessee stud Ron Fuller. And uh, plus, there were going to be two tag matches on the show and a special personality profile. Uh, and uh, the introduction of a former NFL football player and, an, and another Southeastern newcomer. So, you know, he kind of ran down the card for everybody. And then the cameras backed away. And, uh, and there he sat with the newest challengers to Ron Wright's Southeastern Tag Champions. And uh, the big set uh, behind them had that giant shot on it, still shot. Uh, and it showed... Uh, these two guys, uh, these 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 new challengers, uh, with their tapes, fists uh, still had their fists taped as the tape fist match. They had their hands raised in victory, and uh, and you could see in the same shot, Dennis Condry and Phil Hickerson are both laying there bleeding on the mat, and Ron Wright was tied in the ropes in the same shot. So it looked like those boys took care of business. Uh, then the studio, you know, they saw the shot, man, they popped and. Uh, most of those people had already seen the match live the night before in the Coliseum. But it didn't stop the fans from showing their encouragement for these two young guys, man, that had really made a showing in their first match with these champions. So Rip Smith and then Mike Stallings, uh, due to this victory, they were sitting with Les, and they were getting the title match the next Friday night. Les congratulated them and uh, invited them to stay and a comment for the, for the first match. So uh, obviously uh, that uh, that was that was perfect for him because uh, Ron Wright here came Ron Wright and his team and uh, while his team was all bandaged up I mean they had been they'd been beat pretty big time man in that tape fist match the night before <laughs> mm -hmm. and uh, boy they were upset and you could tell by uh, the way they wrestled I mean I remember watching them that wow they took their frustration out on two guys. Two young guys uh, that, you know, had just showed up for TV, and they, I'm sure they were sorry they came. And uh, there was Smith and Stallings, you know, at the desk, and they made it known how they felt about how great a team Condry and Higgerson were and how sorry they were for them to, to be under the thumb of a tyrant like Ron Wright. <laughs> it's, it's a shame they couldn't got a better guy to handle them than Ron <laughs> Wright. And then at the end of the match, they predicted that they were going to win the championship on the following Thursday night, uh, which uh, pretty big production, pretty big <laughs> prediction for sure. And then Ron Wright and his team, they went to the set with Les for the first interview. And Les asked Ron Wright 
Very good question. He asked him why his team's good old Tennessee dog whooping, <laughs> he, he predicted last I, week. I knew it. <laughs> uh, that he predicted was going to happen to Smith and Stallings. Let's ask him why. Uh, he said, but it looked like it didn't happen to Smith and Stallings, but it happened to your team. <laughs> <laughs> so he said it might have been the best uh, the best of opportunity of the show, man. Uh, and it might have been the best question of the show. It's, it kind of sounds like Les was on fire and kind of saying what the fans had to be thinking. Well, he was off to a good start. That's for darn sure. So, uh, you know, and, and then fans loved it, man. When someone or something, anything or anybody that got to Ron Wright, the fans loved it. And they loved to laugh at Ron Wright. And I make fun of him. And at the end of the first interview, Les asked Wright if he'd like to join him for today's personality profile. You know, kind of uh, off the wall, uh, like you know. And it wasn't it wasn't planned to be Ron Wright. And uh, so Wright, you know, uh, wow, in his usual cocky manner, said, you know, he wasn't surprised that Les needed him, and he'd be glad to because. Because he said, I'm the most interesting wrestler, manager, and a promoter in the Southeast. And fans <laughs> love hearing from him, right? So, and, you know, so, but he was going to end up regretting this invitation that he had just accepted before this show was over. <laughs> so then another new team, other than the Rip Smith and Mike Stallings team, was in the second match. And that new team was Bob Roop and Bob Orton Jr., and uh, these two guys had seemingly formed a man like an instant friendship. And wow, were they a dangerous team. I mean, and that was really apparent, man. Uh, at the end of this match, when both of the their opponents had to be carried out of the ring, Bob Root put a shoulder breaker on one of them, and Orton Jr. used that inverted pile driver on the other one. So, Wow, it was devastating, man. It, it looked like they killed both of those guys. And the uh, wow. uh, poor guys that were doing the TV, man, the jobbers that were showing up, they were paying the heavy-duty price. <laughs> so, I uh, hope you paid them good. <laughs> oh, man, you know, uh, I couldn't have paid them what they, what they deserved. <laughs> wow. Was, they were just being pulverized. So, uh, uh, you know, uh so uh, they, they were the, you know, and these two guys, uh, Orton Jr. and uh, Bob Roop, they were going to be meeting Kevin Sullivan and Ken Lucas on that Thanksgiving night. Wow. They were going to, in a 30-minute time limit elimination tag match. That, you know, uh, by, by the way these elimination matches work is when you beat one guy, he went back to the dressing room. So that being the rules of this match, definitely one of these teams was going to end up uh, – with one man on it against two, right? So that's not a that's not a good situation to be in, especially if you had guys like Roop and Orton Jr. are the two guys that's in the ring with you. So then uh, Ron Wright came to the live interview, came to the personality profile, came to, you know, and it was live right in front of the crowd by himself. And boy, he was ready to brag about all his recent success. Uh, his uh, Ron Wright was wont to do. I mean, he, he was really good at it. And uh, so, you know, but before he got off, really got off and running, Les started showing the end of, a, of the bounty match from the night before. That was between Dennis Hall and Ron Wright. 
And uh, it opened up uh, toward the end of the match where Dennis Hall had worked on his leg the entire match, then had him in the figure four. And, uh, and the video opened up where the destroyer came to the ring. And, uh, and he came in and uh, he stomped uh, Dennis Hall, uh, who had a figure four leg lock on Ron Wright. And obviously he was trying to prevent Ron Wright from having a bad enough injury to go to the hospital. Because, uh, you know, he didn't want to see him in the hospital, obviously. And, uh, you know, he didn't want Kevin Sullivan to get that uh, to get that opportunity and to get that uh, high that high spot feeling, man, of having uh, sent Ron Wright to the hospital mm-hmm. after Kevin got sent there. Yeah. So uh, Ron Wright, obviously, you know, he didn't like Les jumping in on him. So he jumped right in and started describing his version of what they were seeing on the in the town, everybody at home was seeing basically, and uh, you know he said uh, there yeah he, he's right you're right Les yeah, that was a destroyer he came in the ring, but he said he was there to tell the referee Dennis Hall that that's an illegal hold he had on me and and look he accidentally stumbled and fell on Dennis Hall on, on his way to talk to the referee. Instead of he stomped in his hall, which everybody could see. He, he was in there just to tell the referee he's using it, and then, and then he accidentally fell on Dennis Hall. Uh-uh. So, so Wright's got his own he's got his own version of what's going on. Uh, so so then Kevin Sullivan arrived in the video, right? There's uh-huh. Kevin Sullivan came down because the destroyer's in there. He's already stomped on uh, Dennis Hall. He's got him over his shoulder, and he's about to put a shoulder breaker on him. And the right, unless uh, saying, "Oh, look now, there's Kevin," and the, the destroyers picked up Hall, and he's got him on his shoulder. And uh, you know, unless is about to say, "You know, hey, uh, obviously uh, he's he's going to hurt him." And then Wright kind of took over again. And, uh, you know, he said, he said, you know, well, I was real upset about Sullivan being down there at the ring. And he said, the destroyer's about to, he's just about to throw Hall over his shoulder because he wants to help him back to the dressing room. You know, he wants to help him. He's hurt. And then he said, then look, Sullivan almost <laughs> broke both the destroyer's legs because <clears throat> Sullivan dived underneath his legs and, uh, the, and the guy and the destroyer collapsed. With uh, Dennis Hall on top of him, and uh, oh. boy, it really hurt his legs. It probably mm. really injured his his uh, his ankles for sure. So uh, you know, Wright claimed that that's why he said, you know, these bounty matches they're too dangerous and they should be done away with. Now he's the guy that started the original bounty match, but now he says they need to get these <laughs> bounty matches out of here. So then Les finally got to talk, and then. Uh, so he, he told Wright he was uh, glad he brought up the bounty matches because he said, you got an opponent, uh, and your next opponent, and a real good friend of Kevin Sullivan, you got another bounty match, Ron, coming up, and it's with a newcomer to Southeastern. And Ron knew nothing about this match, he didn't even know he was booked. And then uh, he, he said, Les says, you're going to be wrestling a former Pittsburgh Steeler linebacker. <laughs> and he's gonna be your next opponent on Thanksgiving night. And Wright's like, "Whoa, wait a minute here! No, what are you talking about?" And then, uh, 
you know, <laughs> Lester's kept putting a, putting a Charlie Cook over, man. You know, you're you're you really got a tough tough road to hoe, man. Somebody's, he's, I think this guy's going to get the bounty, Ron. You're going to end up in the hospital, and right went <laughs> ballistic, man. Wow. <laughs> and he, he got so mad he jerked his lapel microphone off, and he's screaming at Les. There's something about Don Curtis, the Southeastern Commissioner's got no right to be putting me in the ring with a professional football player. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, what's he doing here, you know? And uh, and the studio crowd, obviously, they were loving it, man. And uh, as he left the fit, the left as he left the set, uh, threw the microphone down, and the fans were booing him, man. <laughs> they were booing him like crazy. <laughs> All right, that certainly was not an ordinary personality profile. No wonder the fans were absolutely going crazy. And they do that every time Ron Wright is in the picture. All right, so what happens next? Who was on next? Well, that same wrestler, man, just talked about that was making his Knoxville debut, Charlie Cook, man. He was he was in the ring next. And, boy, did he make an impression on everybody. He got a big win, man. And he used something that I hadn't seen him do down there in southeastern Gulf Coast. He uh, he hit the guy with a football tackle, man. At the end of it, uh, wow. turned his opponent a flip in the air, and uh, and I'm sure fans at home uh, could picture that happening to Ron Wright on Thanksgiving night. <laughs> Seeing Charlie Cook do that to Ron Wright six nights later, but. But anyway, uh, wow, he really made a great first impression. And then it was time, man, for the great Malenko to defend the TV trophy that he had won from my brother almost exactly two months earlier on Rob's last match in southeastern Knoxville. And uh, so Malenko went to the ring first, and uh, he was escorted by the Destroyer, uh, which is going to be the opposite thing come Thanksgiving night. Malenko is going to be going to the ring and the destroyer is going to be second in him. So Malenko came to the ring and uh, and he was carrying, the destroyer was carrying Malenko's TV trophy, which is a big trophy. Wow. But uh, you know, Malenko, I guess, uh, felt like he was too good to carry his own trophy. So, And then uh, I was just totally blown away by the fans, Dave. I mean, I got those chill bumps, man. When I came into the studio, uh, <laughs> That studio went crazy, man. And uh, and oddly enough, man, my last match in Knoxville had been on the same day that Robert lost that TV championship to the great Malenko. Wow. So uh, I'd been out. Uh, that had been two months earlier. I'd only been there uh, five, five matches in the last seven months uh, since we started Southeastern Gulf Coast. Mm-hmm. So the destroyer didn't leave ringside. He stayed at the ring. And the studio crowd was really going crazy during this match. And at the end of it, I got my fuller leg lock on him, probably about 10 minutes into the match. And the destroyer jumped on the apron, man. And he was headed in. And uh, when I have that hold, man, I'm, I'm pretty much in a very vulnerable position. I couldn't get away and couldn't jump out of it real quick. My legs are kind of tied up with whoever I've got it on. But uh, thank goodness Ronnie Garvin, man, came from the dressing room, man. And he drug the old destroyer off the off the apron of the ring, and he spun him around. And he hit him with one of those fist-to-stone punches, man, that he was famous for. Ron, Ronnie Garvin had a hell of a punch. <laughs> and uh, and he put the old destroyer down. <laughs> he, was, he, was, he didn't get up. And uh, so Malenko gave up. 
you know, he it was either that or I was going to break his leg. <laughs> so, you know, he, he gave up and I became the Southeastern TV champion, actually for the fifth time since uh, Southeastern came there in 1974. And uh, Garvin jumped in the ring. And he raised my hand with the referee. And uh, there wasn't anybody sitting down at the studio, in the studio, I can tell you that. And it sounded like a thousand people in that building rather than a couple of hundred. So then Malenko uh, finally he struggled up on his feet and then uh, he up the destroyer. And they went back to Studio B and uh, me and Ronnie went to uh, the set with Les. And, uh, you know, when they cut away, the first thing, Les threw it to Studio B. And, uh, and, and Malenko was having a hard time holding up the groggy destroyer that, that, that Ronnie had, had tapped pretty good. And uh, so then, uh, you know, uh, Malenko said, you know, uh, he's going to, he didn't care come uh, the Thanksgiving night. He didn't know nothing about Thanksgiving. He was a Russian and he didn't care about it. And uh, that uh, his friends, Bob Roop, uh, the Destroyer, Bob Orton Jr., uh, they're all going to be there and they're all going to help me keep my belt. You're not going to win my other championship, uh, Ron Fuller. So. Garvin and I, man, we were obviously at the set, and I thank Garvin for keeping the destroyer off of me uh, in the TV and uh, giving me the opportunity to win the TV title. And I promised him that on Thanksgiving night I was going to be in his corner and I was going to do my best to see that I could do the same thing he had done for me. And uh, he was in a Russian torture match with the destroyer, and he promised uh, to watch my Southeastern title match with Malenko. Hmm. Saying he thought uh, I was going to end up taking both of Malenko's titles on, get the other one on Thanksgiving and take both of Malenko's titles in a five-day period of time. So wow, that would have been quite an accomplishment. Oh, absolutely. Another really tremendous TV stud. So how about the Coliseum for Thanksgiving night? Well, the mighty Yankee beat Dennis Hall. Uh, Charlie Cook uh, he made a lot of fans, man, in his bounty match with Ron Wright. I mean, he hit Ron Wright with one of those football tackles. <laughs> and it turned him a flip and it sent him through the ropes and he landed on the concrete. <laughs> Ron Wright. And uh, so the referee counted him out. And, uh, and all of his friends uh, that he'd mentioned on TV days earlier, you know, uh, uh, came down and they carried him out. Uh, and Charlie's cook hand was raised, obviously. Uh, he never got back in the ring. And uh, and he really got over in the first night, uh, no doubt about that. And Ron Wright, uh, but Ron Wright, uh, bottom line, wasn't sent to the hospital. He, he was able to to come back and wrestle uh, the, uh, the next week, and as a matter of fact. Uh, so then uh, the 30-minute time limit, Elimination tag match between Sullivan and Ken Lucas against Bob Roop and Bob Orton Jr. Uh, was a tremendous match. And I watched uh, most of this match. And uh, it had no eliminations in the 30 minutes. Nobody lost. None of the four guys. So the time limit ran out. And uh, there was no winner, basically. Um, uh, then I'd really, I, I was, I was really a, uh, Really uh, wondering what the results of that was going to be. And then Dennis Condry and Phil Hickerson, they successfully defended their Southeastern belts against Rip Smith and Mike Stallings. Uh, They kind of made up for their butt kicking that they took the week before. 
and then the last match of the night, uh, and then and I was a winner in the in the southeastern title match. But the destroyer uh, kind of saved Malenko's belt for him. Uh, he got him disqualified, uh, which means I won the match, got my hand raised, but Malenko still was able to leave with the belt. And the last match of the night, the Russian torture match between Garvin and the destroyer, was a really great match. Wow, that building was going crazy, and uh, Ronnie won when the destroyer seemed to be totally blown up. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, he he's. <laughs> He was involved in a, in this Russian torture match, mm-hmm. and uh, and also Bob Roop wrestled with Bob Orton Jr. in a thirty minute draw earlier in the night. <laughs> right. So you know, I was like, so he was just tr- so blown up that he lost right in the middle of the ring, and uh, and uh, both uh, Malenko and I got into it on the floor about the time that uh, Ronnie was taking care of the destroyer, <laughs> mm-hmm. and. Uh, it had a great ending for the fans there. Uh, what a big night, man. Well, all right. So was this proof that the so-called destroyer slash Bob Roop might have run out of energy from wrestling in a 30-minute time limit draw match and then a Russian torture match in the same night? And how did you do on attendance? It had to be huge. Yeah, well, you know, and uh, let's let's talk to us a little bit about the destroyer and Bob Roop, and uh, you know, was Bob Roop both of these people? And uh, obviously, if you had a thirty-minute match with really big, good competition like uh, Sullivan and Ken Lucas, mm-hmm. and then you're going to come back and wrestle Ronnie Garvin in a Russian torture match, I mean, uh, that's torture. <laughs> that's what that really is that yes. whole night, you know, and I think any wrestler trying to do both those matches in one night with that kind of opponents, they were really pushing it, man. <laughs> I could never figure out why uh, Bob Root wanted to do that, except that, you know, I guess uh, he got double pay. You know, if he worked two matches, he got <laughs> double pay. So, so as far as the attendance, uh, it was described in the city's newspaper the next morning, man, I flipped over the paper, and I used to do that every time we did matches. And mm-hmm. uh, so I looked, and, and uh, the first thing at the top of the article that wrote about the wrestling said uh, it was an all-time record in the Coliseum for any type of Thanksgiving event. Wow. So it was announced as 5,800, but it was probably closer to 6,000 in the building. Hey, that's interesting. How does the newspaper, does the newspaper have a contact inside your company or is the contact with the Coliseum to say, how did y'all do last night on, on ticket sales for wrestling? Was it well, where- they had, they had their own writer. They had right. a writer. Right. The Knoxville News Sentinel was the name of the paper and they sent their writer down each week. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he would always go to the Coliseum. Uh, office and find out what the yeah, attendance was yeah, before yeah, he left. Yeah. Okay. So he he had. So they liked to write about it in the paper, but this one yeah. was great because they they admitted that this was an all time record crowd for any Thanksgiving event in the history of the Coliseum. Yeah. So you know, uh, yeah, we were doing good, man. That's cool. Night. So uh, you probably never knew a reporter was there and he was getting the information and found out what, and, and the, so we got it ready for the paper tomorrow. That's pretty awesome. All right, listen, this, this has been a great start to our Thanksgiving 1978 matches. Let's take a break right here. We're going to be back. And after the break, it's a dive into the other Southeastern Gulf coast Thanksgiving night that is coming up when this stud cast continues 
right here. Hey, stud fans, you already know TNstud.com is where you go for something different and special that can't be found anywhere else. Make your gift one of their Christmas favorites. Do your shopping for Ron Fuller's Tennessee Stud unique Christmas gifts now. TNstud.com. Click Stud Store for the autographed Brutus book or the book only. Numerous autographed photos, limited t-shirts, and more. TNstud.com. Everything purchased comes with free shipping. Please order by Monday, December 12th. All right, everybody. Welcome back in. Episode number 277. Two great Thanksgiving cards, 1978, as this studcast resumes. So where was the Thanksgiving night card of November 23rd, 1978 in southeastern Gulf Coast held, Ron? And who was on it? Well, it was in Mobile, Alabama, man, uh, which was the best drawn city in the southeastern Gulf Coast in the, in our first year of operation down there. Uh, wow, it was a great wrestling city. And Mobile had started as a Tuesday night city, and then we kind of moved it into Wednesday night. So by this time of the year, uh, it, was, it would seem like a natural fit to just move it one more night later and put it on Thursday night on Thanksgiving night. So the only negative was the fact that we were going to have to put, be in Expo Hall and we weren't going to be able to get in the main arena, man, which was a big building, about 13,000 seats or so. You know, So ticket sales were going to have to be stopped uh, when the box office reached 5,000 fans. That's what Expo Hall held. It was about 5,000 people. Sure would have loved to have been in a bigger building because we turned away a lot of people that would have loved to be there on Thanksgiving wow. night. Wow. Uh, and then the card opened, though, uh, with another newcomer from southeastern Knoxville. This is the third one in three weeks. Terry Gibbs started uh, that night against uh, Gorgeous George Jr. Uh, newcomer Frankie Lane wrestled the Nor- Norvell Austin. Uh, and, uh, and then the special ladies match. Uh, Judy Martin faced off against Lalani Kai. And uh, and then it would have been uh, a match that I think would have been a main event, man, just about anywhere in the world at this time. And uh, that was David Schultz against Jimmy Golden uh, was the fourth match on that card. And then came the first of two main events on this card. A no disqualification Southeastern Tag Championship match with Robert Fuller and Tony Charles. Uh, getting uh, their second shot at the belts of Don Carson and the Assassin, managed by Billy Spears. And then the second main event was also a no-disqualification match for the Southeastern belt. The champion, Mongolian Stomper, managed by Gorgeous George Jr., was wrestling man that always the fan favorite there in that part of the country, Bob Armstrong. Yeah, you used to have a nickname for him, I forget. Oh, Mr. Goody Tissues. Goody Tissues. Mr. Goody Tissues. I hate to call him that anymore, man. I know. I know. I can't hardly call him that anymore. I know. I feel you, brother. All right. So that's another great six-match card. Two title matches, a ladies' match, and three good opening matches. So how about the TV setting this whole thing up? Well, Charlie Platt opened the show, man, in a close-up, and they were plugging a very rare battle roar. That was going to be on this show. That was what he was talking about. And to sell that match, he had the director put up a split screen, split screen shot. 
and it would show two groups of wrestlers on the same screen at one time. Uh, on one side of the screen, it had five heels that were going to be in the battle royal. And on the other side of the screen, it had five baby faces that were in the battle royal. And then uh, Charlie named off, named off all 10 of them. And he announced that the winner of the battle royal on the show today was going to get $5,000. And obviously, studio crowd responded, man, with cheers. They, they were very excited, obviously, to see a battle royal on TV. It didn't happen very often. So after the photos disappeared, uh, the, then Charlie was sitting there with the man in southeastern Gulf Coast, Bob Armstrong, and they watched this title match, the, the first title match, the first time, this was the first time that Bob Armstrong had wrestled the Mongolian Stomper in southeastern Gulf Coast history. And they showed that match back, and uh, it would have been, uh, and these guys were going to have some legendary matches in the future. Man, wow, these two guys always had tremendous matches. Uh, then Gorgeous George uh, intentionally uh, got his, Stomper disqualified in the match one day. Uh, Bob and uh, Charlie's watching it, uh, obviously to save the Stomper's belt. And uh, so then the next, uh, this Thanksgiving night confrontation that was coming up was going to be a no disqualification match. And Charlie asked Bob to stay with him for comments on the first match of the show. Uh, wow. Kind of like what happened, I guess, with the first match uh, in uh, in southeastern Knoxville. Right. And who was on that first match? Oh, well, the same match, the same wrestler that was on the first match in the last show. <laughs> you did not. <laughs> All right. So did, did you put the stomper on first again, Ron, to, to <laughs> uh, excite the studio, panic the studio? <laughs> Uh, I'd like to say I'd like to say yes, Dave, but uh, no, I didn't do it because I wasn't booking down there. I wasn't <laughs> even down there in that state of Alabama, <laughs> North Florida, and uh, my brother Robert was responsible for that. I guess he enjoyed it, and you know, and he and I talked about the impact that Stomper was having on those studio audiences down there. You know, we kind of laughed a little bit about it, you know. <laughs> so Rob loved it, and, uh, and so did Archie Goldie, which is the real name of the stomper. Archie loved that fact, too, that he could panic that studio and drive them crazy. And, uh, and you know, I, I sure that, I'm sure they couldn't wait to see how much panic the Mongo was going to create that week on TV. So I'm pretty sure Bob Armstrong and Charlie Platt, knowing us, too, and they, they see all this pandemonium going on in the studio. I'm sure they were hiding their faces and laughing about what, what the, the stomper was creating, man, on a regular basis. So, uh, but I can tell you, man, uh, the serious part of it from experience and after that fun that they had there, the stomper got dead serious, man, about everything else. He was, a wow, he was, man, <laughs> focused. <laughs> I guess that's a good word. And uh, Rob told me later, man, that he left his opponent laying. I'm sure he did. I never saw him leave one that wasn't laying. And then the second segment of the show was uh, always a good time for fans, uh, you know, uh, because it was Bob Armstrong and he was in the ring this time. And uh, he ended up putting another wrestler to sleep, which uh, that was uh, the way he won most of his matches back in those days. Uh, then the personality profile was with Jimmy Golden. And uh, Charlie Platt welcomed him to Southeastern Wrestling. It was just his second week in the territory down there. And, uh, and Charlie told fans that 
that uh, even though most fans had never seen him, and he said, uh, this guy, Jimmy Golden, is very familiar to the fans in the Montgomery area because he became a wrestling star at a very early age in that, in that city. Uh, which is true. His dad, Bill Golden, uh, promoted that town, and uh, Jimmy was a big star in Montgomery long before he became a star anywhere else. And then uh, Charlie said basically that, too, that since that time uh, that Jimmy became a star in Montgomery, that Jimmy had become a star in many places across America, and he had wrestled all over the world, which is true, Australia and Japan. Uh, he had been to four or five different countries by this age, by this time in 1978. And uh, Charlie said that uh, he was here for a reason. Jimmy was here for a reason. And uh, and Charlie said, you know, uh, I, I found out something that he didn't tell me. Somebody told me what this was all about. And then he says, that's why I invited him on the profile today. And he said, Jimmy, you got a story here that you want to tell. And he says, I don't want to tell it. I want you to tell it. And that's why I invited you on here. And uh, and he he did say, and Charlie said that you know some of the wrestlers here, Jimmy, are not going to be very happy to see you. I can say that. So uh, Jimmy kind of took it from there, and uh, so he thanked Charlie for the opportunity to tell his story. But he started by saying how happy he was to be back in Alabama, the place he considered to be home. Uh, you know, and although he'd never wrestled in the southern part and Dothan and Mobile. Uh, uh, down in the uh, Pensacola in the panhandle of Florida. But uh, he wanted to say hello to his friends in Montgomery, and he was glad to be home. And then he had a video with him. And uh, and he said, you know, this video I think is going to tell my story better than I ever could. So Charlie asked the director, Wayne Register, to run the video. And uh, because we only had three top baby faces in the territory at this point, and uh we wanted to continue the tremendous growth that we'd been experiencing down there. We needed to get a new baby face over as quickly as possible. Uh, we just didn't have enough number of good matches that we liked to be able to do. So we did something that we had never done before on this profile. We used the video and the video was actually shot about three years earlier in another territory. And uh, we used the video to create a grudge match between Jimmy and Billy Spears uh, because uh, he had gave Jimmy Golden a reason to be here in the territory. And uh, hopefully that was going to ensure that Jimmy was going to get over quick, uh, maybe quicker than he would have by uh, doing it any other way. So in this video, Jimmy was managed by his father, Bill Golden, and he was wrestling against Don Fargo that a lot of fans down there in that part of the country knew uh, very well. And Don Fargo was managed by Billy Spears. So the video showed Spears. At the end of the match, uh, got a hold of uh, Bill Golden, and he piledrived him on the concrete. And, uh, and then uh, they showed the, uh, Bill being put on a stretcher and uh, carried out and put into an ambulance, and they hauled him off to the hospital. Uh, so uh, Jimmy told fans that, you know, this had happened recently and that he had been trying to find Billy Spears since it happened. And he told Charlie that he knew there was a battle royal on TV today and that he saw a picture of the wrestlers uh, at the beginning of the show on TV. And, uh, and he said, uh, Charlie, uh, one of those guys was Billy Spears. Is that right? And Charlie says, that's right. 
And uh, so he said, Charlie, do you think there's any way that you can get me into that battle royal today? And uh, Charlie, <laughs> Charlie wanted to see it, I'm sure, you know. And uh, wow, the fans really jumped on it uh, in the studio. And Charlie said, well, you mean, I don't see why not, you know. And he goes, uh, it's going to be a 10-man battle royal, so an 11-man battle royal, uh, probably better than 10. And, uh, and he goes, besides that, there's a $5,000 prize if you win it. And uh, Jimmy, Jimmy was very serious about it. And he said, I don't care about the money, Charlie. He goes, uh, I don't even care about winning it. He said, I just want to get my hands on Billy Spears. And uh, Rob said the studio exploded on that one. Yeah, I bet it did. I mean, I mean, wasn't a battle royal enough, stud? You, I mean, you guys had to add some spice to it, right? So who was the third TV match? Uh, well, Robert and Tony Charles. And uh, they were getting warmed up, basically, for their no-disqualification Southeastern Championship match on Thanksgiving night. And they, they easily won the TV match, uh, but not before Billy Spears had a chance to come running to the set and confront Charlie Platt about uh, this sudden appearance of Jimmy Golden and who's behind all this. And he had a thousand questions for Charlie, and Charlie wasn't answering them. And... Uh, and then the match ended, and Spears is kind of trapped in that studio. Uh, the baby faces had to pass the front of the set on the way back to the dressing room, and Billy uh, Spears saw them get their hands raised, and he he took off running, and he wanted to be past them before they confronted him. So uh, you know, it kind of left. Uh, that was a that was a good way to get uh, Billy Spears out of Charlie's hair, I guess. <laughs> uh, so then the battle royal. Uh, was the last match on TV, and uh, it was an over-the-top rope, uh, as most battle royals were. You had to be thrown over the top rope to be eliminated, and obviously it was 5,000 prize going to the winner. Uh, it had Don Carson in it. It had the assassin, uh, Billy Spears, David Schultz, and Norville Austin. Uh, all those guys came out of the heel dressing room, and it had from the babyface dressing room, Terry Gibbs, Frankie Lane, Ricky Fields, the wrestling pro, Burhead Jones, and now it had Jimmy Golden. <laughs> He's going to be in, in the, on that uh, same, in that same group. <laughs> so, uh, so Rob said, you know, I wasn't there. I didn't get to see this. But, you know, Rob and I talked about all of this. And, the, you know, he said the Royal was a great one, you know, and it ended up with Don Carson, Billy Spears, and Jimmy Golden as the last three in the ring. And uh, Jimmy was bleeding. Uh, Don Carson had already loaded his glove during the course of the early part of the battle Royal and hit Jimmy with it and uh, busted him open, but uh, they weren't able to throw him out of the ring, so he ended up down there as the last three. And then at the end of the match, uh, Billy Spears, uh, uh, standing with his back to the ropes, he got a full Nelson on Jimmy, and uh, he screamed for Carson to finish him off, and uh, Don, probably, I guess he brought, I didn't ask Rob, but I assume he probably had his glove still loaded. And... Uh, so, but, uh, you know, so <laughs> Billy said, go, go ahead and knock him out here, man, because he's going to get away from me. And uh, But Carson being the showman, he had to run across the ring opposite where Billy was. And then he bounced off the ropes and came running back full speed. And uh, he was going to take Jimmy's head off with this one, man. He was going to nail him with that loaded glove again. And, uh, <laughs> and when Carson left his feet, 
uh, about mid ring, uh, he was kind of off balance and he took a big swing and, uh, Jimmy bent forward and Spears is full Nelson him. So when Jimmy bent forward, it pulled Spears forward too. Right. And, uh, Carson took the swing and he missed him, missed Jimmy and he landed on Spears's back. And right. And when he did, Jimmy straightened up and he went straight over the ropes and out on the floor. Wow. So wow. Carson eliminated himself, basically. <laughs> you know, and then Jimmy, once he got once he saw what happened there, uh, and Carson was out of it, uh, and the studio popped naturally. Uh, they were really into it. And then Golden went after Spears like a madman, <laughs> Rob said. Jimmy was pounding him and just choking him, and he couldn't do enough to him. <laughs> and he said Carson grabbed Spears, and he drug him out of the ring to save his butt. And uh, they ran to the dressing room. Uh, and, and so they were trying to raise Jimmy. <laughs> Rob said they were trying to raise Jimmy's hand. Uh, and he said Jimmy uh, didn't even want his hand raised. They were trying to give him the check. He said he threw the check on the mat, and he ran to the dressing room that, they, that uh, Spears and uh, Carson had gone into and was uh, trying to get in the door. They had locked the door to the dressing room, and uh, Jimmy's out there banging on it and trying to get in. And So the show ended up, he didn't care about the money. He was right. He didn't care about the money. Hey, none of this surprises me because you and Rob have done this so many times with so many stars that came in. You made an instant star out of Jimmy Golden in one day. He had to be completely over by that that point. That is an incredible TV right there. All right, so, I mean, it absolutely had a little bit of everything with a huge pop on the end. So what happened on the Thanksgiving night card in Mobile? Well, Terry Gibbs... Beat Gorgeous George Jr. Norvell Austin won his match over Frankie Lane. Uh, Norvell was, boy, he was really in his prime. Norvell wasn't being used as good as he was going to be, but uh, we were working to get him there. We were going to start to focus on Norvell more. Lalani Kai won the ladies' match over Judy Martin. And uh, Rob said David Schultz and Jimmy Golden had one of the best 30-minute time limit matches that he had ever seen. Uh, Schultz was at, wow, he was really getting good. Uh, Jimmy had been wrestling a lot longer than David at this point. But uh, I can imagine what type of match these guys had. And Rob said it was just absolutely unbelievable. And then he also said that the no disqualification Southeastern Tag Championship match was a really hot one. That was the one he was in with Tony Charles. Uh, and they were in there against uh, Don Carson and the Assassin for the championship. And uh, he said that uh, Tony and him was at a point in the match where he thought he had it won and Tony had the Assassin pinned. Uh, and Don Carson uh, just knocked the referee down on purpose uh, just to get it disqualified so that they didn't lose the belt. And uh, Rob said he went after Carson and then uh, Billy Spears standing out on the floor. Now the referee's down. He's going to take care of business, I guess he thought. So he entered the ring and uh, he went straight toward Tony Charles, but he didn't get there. Uh, Jimmy Golden, man, shot up into the ring, standing in the back. I guess he saw Billy Spears start into the ring and here he came. And uh, he went and grabbed Spears. He threw him over the top rope, and he went out on the floor and started putting the boots to him. Uh, so 
you know, the, the, the referee's still down. So David Schultz standing back there watching what's going on. And he had a real thing for Tony Charles. And uh, so he just slid into the ring and he stomped Tony Charles in the back. He picked him up. He piled drive him, put the assassin on top of him, and he left the ring. Uh, by this point, the referee had kind of got his stuff back together and he crawled over there and he counted out Tony Charles and he raised the champion's hands. And uh, uh, when they were getting their hands raised, they looked out there and Jimmy Golden is still working on uh, now Billy Spears, who's a pretty bloody mess. And his white suit, too, had blood all over it, Rob said. And uh, so uh, then the Carson and the assassin and Schultz, they grabbed Spears and they headed for the dressing room, but it was in Mobile, so they had to have a police brigade to get them there. <laughs> and, and they did. You know, they got them there somehow. But, uh, wow, it was always dangerous in Mobile. So, so the night had a really good ending to it, man, for all the fans. Bob Armstrong beat the Mongolian Stomper which uh, ended uh, Stomper's two-month reign as the Southeastern Gulf Coast champion. And it put the belt back on Bob Armstrong that he had now had the belt uh, in about four months. So uh, great ending for, for Thanksgiving. Oh, big time. Leaving with Bob Armstrong as the champion. That's a big night. All right, so what was the attendances for three major cities on this Thanksgiving week? Well, normally, you know what, that card went into three cities. But uh, I think I'm going to give the listeners a little bit more than usual today, Dave. Uh, uh, it was the best week uh, so far, uh, not only in the Gulf Coast Territory's history, but in Southeastern's history at that time. Uh, wow, it was a tremendous, tremendous week. Uh, uh, and uh, so I'm just going to uh, – I, I planned on uh, – Doing this uh, to, to really let people know what what things were really like. So uh, that week began on a Sunday in Pensacola. We had 3,100 people. Uh, on Monday night, we were in Montgomery. We had 3,500. On Wednesday night, we ran Mariana, Florida, and had 2,000 people in, in National Guard Armory. Total sellout. On Thursday, we were in Mobile with this Thanksgiving night. We sold that out, had 5,100. On Friday, we were in Dothan with 4,900. And we ended up in Troy, Alabama on Saturday night with 2,700. Uh, ended up with 21,300 fans in the uh, southeastern Gulf Coast. Then we had 18,300 fans in southeastern Knoxville that same week. We ended up selling 39,600 tickets uh, in that one week. That That's a good-sized football stadium. I mean, full of fans. So, wow, that number and that kind of number had to be competing with major territories, Ron. So, without a doubt, this has been another great one, Ron. So, it makes the old school fans want to return to the good old days, no doubt about it. I'm sorry, but I think we, we're not going to have enough time for our learning tree question. If you missed it last week, it was an exceptional learning tree question. I hate we missed one this week, but we will catch up with that next week for sure. All right. So, folks on Facebook, if you'd like to become friends with Ron to participate in the dueling cards pick and TV pick as well, but you're not already friends, you can become friends by going to his Ron Fuller, the Tennessee Stud 
Facebook page. Like him, follow him there. Automatically become friends with a legend. Look for his studcast number 277 posts. That's this one. And make your choice. On Twitter, find him on Twitter at Ron Fuller Welch. And if you have not already already done so, follow him there too. That's another way to participate. Look for his studcast number 277 post to make your choices. All right, the YouTube channel. It's Southeastern Rewind. It is famous on YouTube. It's filled with all kinds of information, videos, and studcasts. It is also a great place to find out more about what's happening on the new streaming channel, ClassicContinentalWrestling.com. That's the big deal. ClassicContinentalWrestling.com is where you find everything that is the Tennessee stud. His classic old school TV shows are absolutely great. There are 88 Southeastern, 23 Continental, and 12 Gulf Coast TV shows there right now, all in the order which they were recorded. Hundreds more are coming as well. 46 stud stories, six stars of the sport, four superstars of the past, and 12 chapters of his audiobook, Brutus, and hundreds of hours of fantastic old school wrestling is there already. All of this, only $4.99 per month and $39.99 per year, plus the free one-week trial is still available. It is the best deal in wrestling. And a quick mention for TNstud.com. TNstud.com. The stud store is set up and ready for Christmas. If you want some cool items, even autographed by the stud, check it out at TNstud.com. All right, Ron, so that's a bunch. I don't see how you keep up with it all. Where do we ride next week? Well, we're going to be entering December, man, 1978. Uh, Knoxville has a great car on the first day of the month and all month long, for that matter. Uh, and it's going to be an all-tag team night, uh, December the 1st. Uh, starts off the month. Uh, but there's one single match on that card, and that's going to be a special one. It's the end of the bounty matches. Because Kevin Sullivan is finally going to get his shot at Ron Wright. Uh, then uh, down, we're going to be going south to the Gulf Coast. And uh, they're not going to be outdone down there. The Stomper was going to get a, a return match for the Southeastern title with the new champion, Bob Armstrong. Southeastern tag champions, Carson and the Assassin, with their controversial manager, uh, Billy Spears, was going to have to defend against another new team. Robert Fuller and Jimmy Golden were going to wrestle them. Uh, and Rob and Jimmy are going to be one of the all-time best tag teams in the history of that part of the country. Uh, we're going to spend a lot of years there, man. Uh, those guys are going to be some of the top. Uh, the, the also down there is going to be David Schultz against Tony Charles. It's a feud that kind of got rekindled in this show. And, uh, man, it's going to turn into a wildfire before this one's over. And I, and I hope we're going to be able to get to the learning tree question next week uh, that we couldn't get to today. And, and I kind of heard this one, Dave, might have been something to do with uh, holiday events. So, uh, so really uh, looking forward to answering that one. And uh, I want to thank everybody for their support. And I hope you all enjoyed this one. And I hope you come back for more and uh, take care of yourselves and others. And may God bless us all. For Ron Fuller in the Great Smoky Mountains, I'm David Summers saying thank you for listening. Find me at David Summers Productions at gmail.com. This Studcast is a David Summers production for Tennessee Stud.
LLC. Thanks for joining us today for this historic studcast. The true story continues next week. So full Nelson, your friends, and point them in our direction for another ride with the Tennessee Stud. This is David Summers saying so long from the Great Smoky Mountains.